0: uh, For that music this morning, thank you for uh, encouraging our hearts about the topic that we're going to talk about this morning in the message. Before we get to the message, I do have a story for you. Um, Since it's Super Sunday, how many of you ladies can't wait to watch the Super Bowl? Now, I know you just can't wait to find out, is it going to be Tom Brady or is it going to be Patrick Mahomes? I heard a story once of a guy who finally got to go to the Super Bowl. And when he arrived, his seat was way up in the uh, nosebleed section. And he was watching the game through binoculars. And the whole first half, as he watched the game, all he could think about was on the opposite side of the field, there was an empty seat at the 50-yard line on the front row. And he'd watch the game and he'd look at that seat and he watched it. And finally he said, if that seat is empty at halftime, I'm going down to find out who it belongs to. So sure enough, halftime came. He went down to that empty seat. He approached a gentleman on his right. He said, excuse me, is this your seat? He said, no. There was a lady on his left. He said, is this your seat? She says, well, actually it belonged to my late husband who just recently passed away. He stood there for a second, didn't really know what to say, and she said, you might as well sit down, because no one's going to sit here. So he sat down, and he began to chat with her, and he didn't really know what to say. He said, so you like football? She said, oh yeah, I love football. And as time went on, there was a question in his mind that he just had to ask. He said, ma'am, I realize uh, that this belonged to your husband, but wasn't there, isn't there someone who would like to be here with you today? Maybe a your dad or your son or your brother-in-law or brother or someone? And she said, yeah, they'd all like to be here, but they really thought they should go to the funeral. Well, you'll get that in a minute. She loved football, and I hope that's not your love life. Some of you ladies probably tolerate football, and some of you men maybe tolerate football, and it's about to come to an end, and we're going to enjoy a good game tonight, I'm sure. But as we think about this month, and as we think about this week, I just had to preach on the topic of love. And there are a lot of people in our society that are searching for love. Our, our culture is kind of upside down now, but people, uh, genuinely, many of them, are searching for love. And, and I want to begin this morning by talking about something that influenced me in my life. If you're a 60s or 70s kid, raise your hand. And you remember some of the songs that went around in those days and how they influenced you. See if you remember this song. If you do, say the words with me. What the world needs now is love, sweet love it's the only thing that there's just too little of now some of you who are younger you're going to, have to go google that song and find out what it's about but let me tell you it, it was written about love was it true in the 1960s and 70s that people were searching for love well i think it is it was Is it still true today? Well, I think it is. People are searching for genuine love, but often many of them are searching in the wrong places. I can remember all the things I don't need to remember. There's also a song about that, searching for love in all the wrong places. And it's true. People are searching for love, and some people are searching in the right places, but many are searching in the wrong places. And in the 60s, we look back and we call it, the sexual revolution. And people were really searching and, and they were exploring and they were experimenting. And they called it free love. But mostly what they found was lust and disappointment. And it wasn't lasting love. Now some did find lasting love. And we, we know some of those relationships around us. But what they found usually was not Love. So what were these 60s and 70s kids really asking? Well, whatever they were asking, the church didn't do a very good job of answering it. I remember growing up during those days, and I remember hearing sermons against long hair and loud music. And as you can tell, I'd be the last preacher to preach against long hair today. I see these young guys with big heads of hair, and I go up to them and I say, Son, if I had hair like yours, I would wear it. And I would. But preachers would preach against long hair. I remember having an uncle who uh, called everything he didn't like long-haired hippie communism music. That covered just about everything that he didn't like. And he thought he was getting his point across, but it didn't help me too much, and it really didn't impress me too much. So what I'm saying is, the church blew a great opportunity when people were asking valid questions. And we don't want to do the same thing in our day. Now, our culture, this cultural revolution that we have going on, people are asking valid questions. And if... If we turn them off, we're going to forfeit the opportunity to answer those questions. So how does the church handle the cultural revolution that we're in, and what can we learn looking back at the past and how we didn't handle it so well in the past? Well, what were these teenagers asking, similar to what some are asking today? Is there truth? Is there uh, truth that does not change over the generations, over the centuries? Is there really something lasting that I can count on and that I can turn to and that I know is always going to be there? Is there truth? Well, what is this truth? If there is truth, what is it? How can I find it? What is love? You know, I, I'm genuinely searching for love. Where do I go? Where, where do I turn uh, how can I find it? And I really think what many people were asking in the 60s and 70s is what people are asking today. How far can I go and still have your love? Greg read that passage about the prodigal son. He turned from everything he knew, all the foundations that he knew, everything his parents had taught him, went out into the world and searched Of love. And he came back empty handed. But he came back. To parents. And to uh, eventually. To others who genuinely loved him. No matter where he had been. That's a great story. And an appropriate story for the day. In which we can live. Because here's what he was searching for. And here's what I believe people in our day are searching for. Unconditional love. Unconditional love love. Are people still searching for love? Yes, they are. Many of them in the wrong places. But if you're, you're listening this morning or sometime down the road and you're thinking, what, what is true love? Where can I find true love? How can I understand true love? Well, God has an answer. And I want to share it with you this morning, just briefly in this message. Where do you find true love? I understand that the U.S. Treasury still teaches its agents to identify counterfeit bills by studying the real thing. You know, you go to a store, and you pull out a $100 bill, and the clerk almost panics because they don't know what that is, and they take it, and they look at it, and they look at the the watermark, and sometimes they mark it with a marker, and I understand if the marker fades, it's it's a real bill, so but they're somewhat trained to identify uh, a counterfeit bill. And too many times we look at love in this world and all we see is counterfeits. You know, Satan is a great counterfeiter. He can't create anything. He can only take what God has created and distort it and twist it and disguise it and call it love but when people grasp onto it, they find out that they are left empty and there's no real lasting love there at all. So if you want to know about true love, where do you turn? Well, we're in the the epistle of 1 John this morning. John the gospel, same John, but he wrote three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And that's where we are, are, are this morning. And I'm going to read a few verses for you. If you have your Bible or your advice with you and you'd like to read for yourself, please do that and read along as I read uh, to us verbally this morning. The Bible says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. I think we could all agree on that. So I want to ask you a question as we begin this morning. And this is a private question. If, if we had a building full of people this morning, I would say don't raise your hand. This is for your own heart. But here's the question. How many of you know what it is like not to be loved by anyone. Not a parent, not a grandparent, not a spouse, not a a sibling, a, a, a child, a friend, a teacher, a neighbor, a pastor. I hope that's not you. But if it is, I have some hope for you this morning. Now, I think there are probably more people in this world now that would say they don 't feel loved by anyone than at any other time in history, and the isolation of covid has uh, has caused that to to expand and to to multiply across our nation and across the world and probably right here in our own community and maybe in our own families we 're isolated we I talked last week about the touch that we used to enjoy that we no longer receive many times and the the expressions of love that we miss. So you may find yourself this morning thinking, I don't know if anyone loves me. If you're uh, on the other side of the world and you're listening to this message and you think, no one loves me, no one in my life, you are dead wrong. I love you. And there are church of people at Trinity Community Church who love you. And the reason we love you is because we have met the God who wrote these words and we have experienced His unconditional love. There was nothing in us that would make Him love us and nothing in us that would make us reach out to Him, but He reached out to us. And since we have experienced that love, it may sound strange to you, But because we have been loved by God, we love others even if we don't know them. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. You are loved. You're loved by us. But more importantly, you are loved by God. And God wrote a book to tell you that. And he expressed the love that he has for us by demonstrating to us how unconditional love really works. Now, our text today begins, what kind of love? See what kind of love. Another translation says, what manner of love? Let's stop there. What manner of love? We're talking about a specific kind of love or a type of love or a sort of love. This love of God. It's... It is a a peculiar, a particular, but a peculiar kind of love because it's strange. The world largely knows nothing about it unless they have been exposed to the passage I read this morning, or to somebody who has experienced this love and loves the way that God loves. It's strange to us. It's out of this world. It's it's a love foreign to many. Because it's a particular kind of love called agape love. The Bible has largely three Greek words for love. There's brotherly love, phileo, eros, which is a sensual love. And then agape. That's the kind of love that God is talking about here. Agape love. We could say this, behold what sort of agape the Father has given unto us. Well, agape expresses the way God loves. It's unconditional, it's undeserved, and it's unmerited. Unconditional because you can never lose it. Listen, there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or to make God love you any less. It's unconditional. He loves you. Even if you reject Him, and by the way, you can reject Him, this unconditional love. I don't know why anybody would. But you can reject His love, but you can never lose it because it's unconditional. That means it's not based upon what you do or who you are or how you return love to God. He loves you anyway. If you reject His love forever and you wind up in the depths of hell, God still loves you. It's an unconditional love. It's also an undeserved love There's nothing you can do to gain it. You can't suffer, you can't sacrifice, you can't give. There's nothing that you can do to deserve this kind of love. It's undeserved, and once you receive it, you will understand that. There's nothing I can do but but receive this love of God. It's also unmerited. Nothing, again, that I can do to gain it. Nothing that I could ever do to repay it. Nothing I can do to pay God back or somehow to uh, show Him that I deserve this because I don't. He gives it to us because He is God and He is the great unconditional lover. That's God's love. That's the kind of love that the world is looking for and it's the kind of love that you are looking for whether you realize it or not. And it's right here before us all. We look in all the wrong places. And it's right here in front of our noses, this love of God, this original love. Because it began with Him, this strange, foreign, out-of-this-world kind of love. Amazing love. That's the love of God. It's amazing love. Now, what kind of love is God's amazing love? love? Well, first of all, it is a pursuing love. If you look back at 1 John there, chapter 3, 1, what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is because it did not know Him. See, God has been pursuing us all of our lives. Now, when we pursue someone, what do we want? Well, I can look back to my junior year in college when God did a wonderful thing in my life. He brought Allison Reed to the college where I was studying for the ministry. And when I saw her, I began to pursue her because I wanted to know if I could have a relationship with her. Now, I have to tell you I was 26 and she was 20. Yeah, I did rob the cradle. And I knew what I wanted, but I didn't know if she knew what she wanted. So I had to be very careful and and uh I looked for reasons to be around her, to talk to her. She she worked in the library, so I became very studious. And I'd look for any reason to go to the library just so I could talk to her and be with her. And so over time, we got to know each other. And one day, we were at the lunch table with a whole group of people. And everybody left but us. And so we sat and talked. And hours later, we were still talking. And I found myself falling in love with her. And so I began to pursue her. Because I wanted to know if I could have a relationship with her. And the answer is yes. We were married two years later. We've been married over 30 years. And it's lasting love because it was built on the foundation of God's unconditional love. Now that is hallmark material. So, happy Valentine's Day, honey, early. God's love is like that. It's a pursuing love. As I had been pursuing Allison for my wife... God has been pursuing us since the day we were born. You know why? He wants to know if you want to have a relationship with Him. He wants to know if you want to come into an unconditional, saving relationship with the God of the universe. Can you imagine that God is seeking you out, seeking us out, because He wants to know us, and He wants us to know Him in a... a, For everlasting relationship that will never, ever end. That's what everyone is craving and everyone is longing for, whether they know it or not. John continues in uh, chapter 4. says, Beloved, let us love 4 and 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. See, God has been pursuing us our entire lives. Did you know God's pursuing you? Well, he is. He's reaching out to you to see if you want to have a relationship with him. And to what length did he pursue you? Let me tell you, he pursued you to the length of giving his only son, Jesus, so that you could have a relationship with him. Can you imagine that? God only had one son, and he gave him for you so that you could have a relationship with him. No wonder, John says, behold what manner of love. See, look what manner of love God has given. He's lavished upon us his love. How much does he love us? The Bible says he loved us enough that he gave his only begotten son that we should not perish but have everlasting life, if we would believe upon him, that we could have a saving relationship with God and we could have a permanent, unconditional relationship with the God of the universe. That's how much God loved us and how much he has pursued you. He gave his only son. He demonstrated his love, the Bible says, toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a love. So if you're looking for love, God's pursuing you. And all you can do is turn and fall into his arms. And that's all he wants you to do. Turn to him. Don't run from him. Run to him. Fall into his arms and you'll find his arms open because he is pursuing you and wants a relationship with you. I've had people tell me through the years, preacher... As soon as I clean my life up a little bit, I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to get saved. I'm going to uh, have a relationship with God. And I say to them, you'll never do it. Because it's not about what you do. It's not about what you can do. In fact, you can't do anything except believe and receive this love of God, which he has for you. And when you do, he'll bring you into a relationship with him because he's pursuing you. So it's a pursuing love. That means that he accepts you just like you are. Nothing you can do to make yourself more acceptable or more attractive to him or anything you can do to cause him to love you more or love you less. He loves you just like you are. That is good news. He's pursuing you. But this kind of love is also a perfecting love. Look back at... 1 John 3, 2. The Bible says, Beloved, we are God's children. When? Now. The day that you're saved, you become God's child. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we do know some things. We know that when He, Christ, appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him as He is. Now think about this. If if you're saved, that is, you've been made a child of God by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You believed what God said about you and about God's son, Jesus. And you became a believer. You were saved. That happens one time in your life. It doesn't happen over and over and over. Salvation is a one-time thing. Some people are confused about this. They They become a Christian, they sin, they think they have to get saved all over again. The Bible does not teach that. What you do need to know about, though, is confessing your sin and agreeing with God and calling it what God calls it. Now, listen to this. God loves you just like you are, but he loves you too much to leave you like you are. Did you get that? He loves you just as you are, unconditionally, but... When He changes your life and He comes into your life, he, he loves you too much to leave you just like you are. So what is God's will for a child of God? Now, we often muddle that. We make it something mystical. We make it something complicated. Would you like to know God's will for your life as a Christian? Well, here it is. God's will for your life is to become more and more like His Son, Jesus. That's His will for you. To become more and more like His... Now, salvation is a one-time thing, but we call this sanctification or growth in the Christian life, and it's a process. We start out as little babies, and we need milk, and then we advance on to harder foods, and finally we can handle the meat of the Word of God. That's a process in our Christian life, and that's what we often confuse... Uh, With salvation, salvation is one time, but sanctification, growth is over a period of time. And we'll never stop growing, or we never should, until we see Jesus face to face, as John said. Because one day, we're going to be just like Him. One day, when we see His face, we're going to be made just like Him. In the meantime, God is working in our life to make us a little more like Jesus every day. The difficulties we go through, the joys we go through, the victories we go through, when we fail, when we fall down, and we get up and we go again, and we confess our sin to God and go on and grow, He's making us more and more like Jesus. Now you might say, how can I know whether I'm becoming more like Jesus? Well, it's easy. Look at your life. You know what Jesus is like if you've studied the Word at all. If not, read the Gospels and learn about what Jesus was like. Read other passages. But you can look at your life and you can say this, Am I more like Jesus than I was a year ago? Am I more like Jesus than I was the day that I was saved? That's what God is talking about, growth in the Christian life. He loves us and accepts us as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us like we are. See, he wants to see some growth, some fruit. The Bible talks about knowing a tree by the fruit it bears. And if you are a believer and claim the name of Christ, there should be some growth in your Christian life. The moment you're saved, you become a child of God. Nothing can change that. But as you grow, you become more and more like God's son, Jesus. You see, God's love is a pursuing love, but it's also a perfecting love. He has a plan for our lives. And when we see him face to face, we're going to be like him. But I want to ask you this. Are you ready to meet him face to face? Or do you dread meeting him face to face because of the condition of your spiritual life? Or you know you're not walking with God. You know you're far away from God and you're convicted by that. You know, conviction is a good sign. When you're convicted by your sin, then you know that you're God's child. But if you can live over and over and over and continually in sin and have no conviction, you're probably not a child of God. God loves you as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you like you are. He goes on to say in verse number 3 of 1 John chapter 3 that everyone who thus hopes in him, everyone who has placed their faith in him and is truly a child of God, purifies himself as he is pure. One thing we know about Jesus is that us, isn't it? We've already sinned. We've already sinned and come short of perfection, which is what Jesus was. And God teaches us that through the Word of God, that we're not perfect. That's why we need salvation. But we can strive to be more and more like Him in our lives. So as we think about God's love and as we think about becoming more like Christ, this love that God has for us becomes a purifying love. Now, if you're a believer and you're really seeking to walk with God, you're ashamed of your sin. You're humble about your sin and you don't blame it on anybody else. You say, it's all me and I strive to be more like Jesus, but I fail sometimes on a daily basis. So do all of us. But as we grow in our Christian life, we should be sinning less and less and less. See, there should be some progress there. There should be some growth there. We should be gaining some victories over sin. We should be putting sin behind us, and we should be bearing some fruit that proves that we're a child of God like we claim to be. And so this love that God has for us can become a purifying love in our life. Now you say, Pastor, I would love to know how to live a pure life. Well, here's how you live a pure life. You get up in the morning and you say to yourself, what if Jesus were to come today? What if Jesus were to come today and I would have to stand before him and I would see him face to face as this passage talks about? What if, I were, uh, to, to, uh, if Jesus came and took me into his presence today and whatever I was doing at the time is what I would be doing when Jesus came? Would I be ashamed of that or would I be glad for that because I'm seeking to walk with God? Friend, if we could get up every day, look in the mirror and say, what would I want to be doing today if Jesus came? There will be a day when that will be true. There will be a day when we get up in the morning and we say, what if Jesus came today and that will be the day that he'll come and that's the day that we're going to stand before him And we'll either be ashamed to be in his presence or we'll be glad to be in his presence. Now, our sin has been washed away, the sin of the past. And our sin is washed away as we confess it. But that thought of wanting to stand pure before God and before our Savior, the day that he appears will purify our lives. God wants to purify us. You know, don't make excuses for your sin. Don't blame it on somebody else. Don't blame it on the way that you grew up or the experiences that you've had. Maybe those are factors in your life, but they're no excuse. Because God's love and the blood of Christ can cleanse us from any sin. And this purifying love of God can help us to overcome any sin if we're serious about walking with God and a purifying uh, love in our lives. So don't make excuses so what do I do? Well, if you're saved, if you're saved, you know, and you can know. And if you're saved, there's conviction in your life about sin. There's conviction in your life about things that you do wrong, things that you say wrong, things that, wrong actions that you take. And you take those to God and you say to him, you know, I want victory over these. I'm serious about this. I don't, I don't want to, sin the sin anymore. I want to confess it once and for all and I want to move on from it. Would you help me to do that? And God will help you as you study his word and as you grow. And if you're truly saved you have some conviction in your life about your sin. If you're not convicted, you're probably not saved. So first of all, we're talking about our relationship with him. Are we genuinely saved? And if we are, we're talking about growth in the Christian life. But this love of God that pursues us and perfects us can also purify us and can help us to overcome by His power any sin that controls us and our life if we will commit it to Him. Now if there's no fruit, there's probably no salvation. But if there's fruit and there's conviction, God is doing something in your life. Be encouraged. Look back at your life And look how God has brought you through different things. And look how God has helped you to gain victory over different sins. And if he hasn't, turn to him. He, He wants to help you. He wants to purify you. He wants to change your life through his amazing love. His agape, one of a kind, peculiar, strange, unconditional, undeserved, unmerited love. Well, I hope that's good news to you. That God loves you. If you think no one else loves you, God does. And so do we. So do I. And I love you because God first loved me. And I learned how to love from Him. I learned how to love people that are different than me. A lot different than me. You don't have to be like me to be loved by God. God loves you just like you are. But He loves you too much to leave you that way. And He wants to perfect you In the sense of becoming more like his son. Until we're in his presence. And we'll never again struggle with sin again. And God's people said amen. Now I want you just maybe to bow where you are this morning. Maybe you're alone. Maybe you're a family. And maybe you want to talk about this love of God. After the service ends this morning. But I want to pray for you friend. If you're watching now. Or a week or a year from now. And you come across this message and you say, I want to know what real love is about. Well, there's only one place that you can find it. It's in God's word. The book of love that he wrote about himself and about you. And how he wants to have a relationship with you. And you can have a relationship with him. An eternal, everlasting relationship that will never end. By coming to him And admitting to him that you need to be saved and that you need to be cleansed of your sin. And he will do that. You can't do it, but he can and he will and he has. And if you bow before him and invite him into your life, he will change your life forever. I want to pray for you and I want to pray for us that we will be continually reminded of God's love. But that we'll be continually convicted about where we, our walk is with Him? Or are we close to Him? Are we walking with Him? Are we growing in our life? That's the love of God. Father, you've been so good to us because you've loved us when we didn't deserve it. You've loved us when we didn't even know you or know about you. In fact, you loved us when we were your enemies. And the Bible says that if we don't know you, we are your enemy. Maybe we don't even realize it, but we are. We we either know you or we're against you. And we want to know you personally through this love that you have lavished upon us as your children. You've pursued us and you want to perfect us and you want to purify us in our daily walk. So I pray that as believers, we would be moved by this love to the point of knowing that God loved me so much. He's given so much for me. How can I do anything but respond to this love that he's shown me and love him in return? We don't love him first, love you first. We love you because you first loved us, and we thank you for loving us. So I pray for the person who's yet to come into a relationship with Christ. That they would do that today. Run into your loving arms. And I pray for the believer who's struggling with sin. And struggling to know if they have a relationship with you or not. And you're convicting them. And the fact that they're convicted probably tells them that they are your child. And Father, all of us need to be more like Jesus. That's your will for our lives. And that should be the goal of our life. We're not somehow going to one day reach perfection. Not at least until we're in your presence and sin is banished from us and we're, we've been uh, unleashed from its power and its presence. Then we will be perfect as Christ is. But until that time, we want to be more and more like him so that the world will see what real love is like. Thank you for loving us. Help us to love others. And this week is a great time to think about love and what it really means to those that are closest to us. So, Father, give us a good week. Help us to have great relationships in the church, in our families, because that's your desire, and that's what you want us to have, and that's what we can have. And we know that today through your word, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Have a great week.